Get that water out of the goddamn huddle. I'll tell you when you get a fucking water break. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is January 7th, 2020. I don't know what to do with myself. The week after. It's a long off-season. We gotta slug it out. Well, you know, one good thing. The XFL starts February 8th. Ugh, I can't. I know. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. For, for, for probably the one season they Exist. remain around. If even that, what was the other one that crapped out? American Football League or something okay. like that. I can't remember. They got some weird rules coming out with the XFL. Uh, coverage teams will line up just five yards apart to make the kickoff safer for players. Touchback penalties will be in place to incentivize returnable kicks and the potential for big plays. Oh, interesting. So they penalize you if the kick goes in the end zone and it's a touchback? Yes. The kicking team? Yes. No, the receiving team. Oh. Uh, there will be no kicks after touchdowns. A tiered point system allows teams to go for one point from the two-yard line, two points from the five-yard line, and three points from the ten-yard line. A possible nine-point touchdown means an 18-point deficit is still a two-possession game. Yeah, that's weird. They have I a shoot- like it. They have a shootout-style overtime format. Each team's best offensive and defensive players will determine the result of a game tied at the end of regulation time. Each team receives five attempts to score from the five-yard line in a hockey shootout format. With the club's alternating attempts, receiving two points per, per success, until one team's total is insurmountable, whatever that means. Double forward pass. Multiple forward passes will be allowed behind the line of scrimmage to create more play options for offenses. Uh, the game clock will continue to run no matter what, outside of the two-minute warning. Teams will be allotted two timeouts per half. It's kind of like soccer. Yeah. Clock's just going to go and go and go. There's no stopping so the clock. So they're incorporating rules from, like, Hockey and soccer. They're trying to make the game faster and more exciting. I thought that's what the CFL does, or the Arena League, because it's so it's smaller, right? I don't know. The, the Arena field. League is not around anymore either. Oh, it's not? Nope. 25-second play clock. A 25-second play clock that begins after the ball is spotted for the next play will eliminate some of the downtime between plays. Uh, catches can be caught with just one foot inbounds. Shorter halftime will be 10 minutes instead of the now 15 for the NFL. And there is going to be a dedicated ball spotting official. So we just got one bureaucrat in charge. Spotting the ball. Rather than a whole team of them. I guess. Can't have too many officials on the field. I think we should have five officials for each player. (laughs) (laughs) So that'll be interesting. That's coming February 8th. Uh, We'll get you dates and times and where to watch and all that stuff later. So you got a fact check of follow-ups for us? I do, actually. Uh, a fact check about the last game. Sean Murphy Bunting went out with an ankle injury. High ankle sprain is yeah. what Bruce Aaron said. We weren't sure what it was at the time. So that would be a follow-up. I have another follow-up. Have we had a draft pick outside of the top 10 since I've been a fan? And to my surprise, the answer was yes. And it's been... More draft picks outside of the top 10 <laughs> than inside the top 10. This is weird. So, 2009 was when I became a fan. So, wait, so did you came, You became a fan during the 2009 season? Yeah. Okay. That was the season. I'm, I'm putting this here because it just happens to fall on the date, but I was not involved with this draft. Uh, 2009, Josh Freeman was picked 17th overall. I did not know that really? he was a first round pick. I had no idea. 2011, Adrian Claiborne was the 20th. 2012, Doug Martin was the 31st. 
Although we picked Mark Barron seventh that year. So we had two first round picks. 2016, Vernon Hargraves just squeaked outside of the top 10. He was 11th. 2017, OJ Howard was 19th. And 2018, Vida Vea was 12th. So we've rarely picked top 10. I know. So the five that we did pick in the top 10 since I've been a fan were Gerald McCoy, Mark Barron, Mike Evans, Jameis Winston, and Devin White. That's interesting. You would think with our uh, crappy decade that we would have had more top 10s. I know. That's what I thought. I just, I don't know. Follow up, Michael Bennett, what happened there? We chose not to use the franchise tag or the transition tag on him because we didn't think he was worth that much. The franchise would have brought him $11 million, and the transition tag was $9 million. And we did not use either. We didn't use the franchise tag that year in 2013. He... Initially said, as we discussed, that he'd give Tampa a chance to match any offer he got. We probably weren't going to match it because it was likely going to be in that range, the 9 to $11 million, which we already said we weren't going to pay him. Do we know what he got? No. Right, we're going to fact check for next week. It's all you. He later said the Glazers didn't like him, and he thought that he's still salty about it. You know, the guy performed well on the field, but he, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, he left his dog in Tampa in, like, a boarding facility. And when he went to <laughs> Seattle, he just peaced out. <laughs> He's he like, never paid the bill. Well, I don't know if he paid the bill, but at the time he hadn't paid the bill. The poor dog was just there. Oh, you think that's bad? Wait till the story I got coming up. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, that's the last of my follow-ups and fact checks. So okay, well, let's like get into the story. This, yeah. Right. Uh, apparently, this is kind of a big deal. Bay News 9 from Hillsborough County has claimed that uh, Nunez Rochez, also known as Nacho, abandoned a dog in a uh, rural Hillsborough County Road for days. It was uh, outside some facility out in the backwaters or whatever. Uh, Reading the articles, it's just like, well, one, they're definitely trying to make him look like a jerk. But two, there's really no answer to what, why the dog was out there. Now, Nacho had a dog breeding company. He bred these dogs... They're, they're, they look like pit bulls, but they're not. They're called... American Staffordshire nope. Terriers? Nope. I'd never heard of them before. They're called uh, Cane Corso. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he had this breeding business, right? Well, his wife got pregnant, so they decided not to have dogs around. Don't know. Next thing we know, this dog shows up on the road in like a medium. It was there for days. People tried to get it to come into the cars and stuff. Wouldn't do it. Finally, the uh, Hillsborough County Animal Rescue Group got the dog to come in, and they took it to the vet, and it had a chip. And so they scanned it found out it was registered to Nacho. Well, they confronted Nacho about it, and he said that it wasn't his dog. He had given it away or sold it or whatever, you know. But he couldn't provide any evidence of that, or he didn't provide any evidence of it. And ever since then, he hasn't given any information. Well, the dog was rescued. Somebody adopted it. Nacho's wife contacted him and gave him all kinds of vet records and all that. And the, the the people who adopted said she's been extremely helpful and very nice, but they still don't know why the dog was out in the middle of the road. Apparently abandoned. Now, this news has been in the on the Buccaneers forums and stuff like that. And, of course, everybody is freaking out, calling him a dirtbag and all this good stuff. I don't know. I like Nacho. And this goes back to off-the-field crap. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if you put babies on spikes. If you play good football, 
I want to because I'm about the football. You know, we do all this other stuff for fun, talking about the players and their off the field lives and all that good stuff. But when it comes down to it, I don't care. I really don't care. And two, I don't trust the media to not be hyping up some really stupid crap that's you know doesn't mean anything. But man, if people don't just take this crap to heart, and you know everybody wants him off our team now. Yeah, that's bizarre. Well, everybody that's read these articles because these articles do definitely make him out to be this the bad guy. Yeah, it's like a Michael Vick or something. But yeah, I don't care. I don't care what people do in their off day. This is entertainment to me. I don't care about your politics, your personal beliefs, your. Your sexual orientation, none of that crap. Just go out there and entertain me on the field. That's all I care about, 100%. That's all I care about. That's just my own personal opinion. It's fun, though. It's fun to sit around like TMZ, this crap. <laughs> but that's worse than what Bennett did. You know, he just he left the dog abandoned at the shelter. Boarding facility. Boarding facility, not Well, your... no, because they keep those things. I mean, it was taken care of and fed. I don't know. I just... Oh, yeah, the team's looking into the whole Nacho situation, too, because that's that really matters. If we lose Nacho over this mess, I'm going to be mad at Buccaneer fans and Bay News 9. He's good. I like Nacho. So, anyhow, yeah, you're going to be getting all kinds of stuff like this all year long. <laughs> uh, we, there's no not going to be any press conferences or anything coming from Buccaneer Place until, you know, unless there's new deals for players or something like that, they might announce something. But uh, until at least the NFL Combine in late February, if then... Generally, they don't even say anything then. So, you know, we might well, be looking PA at... Well, sat down last season with all the media at a breakfast. Well, that was because he was, he was new. a new coach. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we did sign eight players to futures contracts. Right. All of them were practice squad players from 2019, except one safety, DeAndre Hall. The rest of them were practice squad players. The eight players were defensive end Quentin Bell, center Anthony Fabiano... Safety, DeAndre Hall. Defensive lineman, Jeremiah Ledbetter. Tight end, Jordan Leggett. Cornerback, Herb Miller. Tackle, Brad Seaton. Oh, gosh, I can't even say this one. (laughs) He's a mugged on phonics. Running back, uh, Aka Cedric Ware. You know, I wonder if kids growing up now know what hooked on phonics are. No, because they don't have them read phonetically anymore. You don't, like, sound out the words, I don't think. Oh, good. It was always stupid. <laughs> that was hooked, all the rage. Do you remember Hooked on Phonics? Yeah, that was those, the rage when I was in elementary school. Hooked on Phonics. <laughs> you got any more Bucks news? Yeah. Okay. I've got NFL news. No Bucks coordinators have been looked at for interviews anywhere in the league. Which is fantastic. That's great for us, but then at the same time you go, what? <laughs> Nobody wants our coordinators? <laughs> do they suck that bad? Or did BA just quietly tell them to back off? I don't think he'd That's do anything quietly. <laughs> uh, according to OverTheCap.com, the Bucks should get a fourth-round compensatory pick for Quan Alexander. Okay. Yeah, well... Wait, is that in the compensatory draft, or is that in the regular draft? Right? Because don't they have the two drafts? Oh uh, Yeah, I think it's the compensatory draft. Uh, I don't didn't know. even pick in that one last year. Nobody did, remember? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, these compensatory picks are just, they're impossible to figure out. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Nobody, I'm telling you, nobody understands it. There's, there's probably three people on the planet that understand it. They're not telling anybody. They're the ones that wrote the rule, probably. The ones that manipulated a bunch of lawyers. Um, yeah, okay, 2019 Bucks rushing defense was the best rushing defense in franchise history, beating Ooh. out the 2012 Greg Schiano really? rushing defense. Yes. Uh, they had 362 attempts for 1,181 yards, giving up a 3.26 average. This is the 11th best run defense in NFL history. Well, 
ever since 1978 when the league went to a 16-game schedule, anyhow. So, that's pretty impressive. Of course, I said that in 2012, and then 2013 <laughs> came and everything blew up. Or was it the other way around? 2000? Yeah, it was 2013 when everything blew up, right? Yes. Okay. Levante David is fourth on the list of Buccaneers in tackling. Derek Brooks has 2,198. That's a lot of tackles. Rondé Barber, 1,428. That's outstanding for a cornerback. Hardy Dickerson, my boy, the reason why I became a Buccaneers fan, had 1,028, and David with 1,005. David had also one of two players since the sack became an official statistic in 1982 to record at least 1,000 tackles, at least 20 sacks, and at least 20 interception and at least 10 interceptions through their first eight NFL seasons. Guess who the other one is? Ray Lewis. Yep. Hopefully, Levante David won't kill anybody in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, he was just named All-Pro. He was on the second team. There's another one. The All-Pro. That's funny. That's completely made up of journalists. I know. Media people. They get to pick. Yeah, it's the second it's team AP All-Pros. I mean, you know, I'm, it, I'm glad he's on there, but I don't know. We should do, we should do a, a, I don't know, call it the, the AP All-Podcast team. I like Get it. Get all the podcasters from... You were on a couple podcasts. That one with that one guy. Who was that? I don't remember. We'll get everybody involved. That aren't <laughs> journalists. So that means we can't get uh, the Joe Bucks fans, Peter Report, all those guys. you got press pass. You can't be <laughs> part of this list. You're excluded from the club. That's right. And uh, we'll come up with our own team. Make it a big thing. They'd be made up of all Buccaneers. <laughs> My, our team would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's about it for Buccaneers news. Gosh, man, I, I tell you, I hate this time of year. I know. So, blah. At least we still have the playoffs. Yeah, we lost all. We lost three of our four picks in the playoffs. I, I think most people did. Yeah. I don't think anybody saw Tennessee steamrolling the Patriots like that. At all. You couldn't pick against the Patriots. That's just dumb. No. And Tom Brady is not going to end his career on a pick six. So I fully expect him back with the Patriots next season. We laughed so hard when that happened because we're just like, Jameis, that's a Jameis move. Jameis and Tom Brady are in the same category. We can say that. I concur. <laughs> and then the Saints losing the way that they did. Oh, oh, amazing. That was glorious. Great. And I went to, I went and looked at what Saints fans were saying, and all of them, they weren't upset about the officiating, they were upset about Drew Brees. And a lot of them were talking about getting rid of him. He's old, he's over the hill. His noodle arm. Yeah. They said he played like crap. So I, I mean, you I, I agree with him. Get rid of him. You can't bench him. No, he ain't gonna sit on no bench. No, so, I think he's got to retire. This might. Well, I mean, didn't you say his? He's a free agent this year. Kind contract of, yeah. Like, yeah, it's kind of weird. His contract. I know it's really hard to understand. Yeah, we're simple folks. So. <laughs> uh, you know, Sean Payton might be gone soon. Who knows? Who knows? I think it'll depend on how his next quarterback does. Taysom Hill. I know, that bastard. I know. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to playing that guy. We'll figure him out one day. Bridgewater's going to be a free agent. They only signed him to a one-year deal. Which Bridgewater, I always liked Bridgewater, and I thought Minnesota was dumb for getting rid of him. Yeah. Especially when well, they got rid of him and, what, what, Sam Bradford or somebody like that? I was like, what the, What are you doing? Ruined their whole year that year. But I think he always had the injury bug there. Bridgewater? Yeah. I think he had an ACL tear his first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's... he's he doesn't really have that great of an arm. I mean, he's more of a game-managing type quarterback. Yeah, I'd say he's, a, he's a little better than a game manager, but yeah. he's solid. 
I see people talking about we should get him for the Buccaneers. I'm like, what? No. The Buffalo game was crazy. I was really surprised that the Texans came back the way that they did and Buffalo just shit the bed the way that they did. I really thought they had it. I mean, they were just dominating Houston early on. Who is Houston playing next? Kansas City? Yeah, at the Chiefs. Baltimore, Tennessee. That's going to be good. That's going to be a good smash mouth football game there. Two big running teams, which brings me to my next point. Hey, you hear this all the time, especially from certain Bucks media members talking about Joe Bucks fan. This is a passing league, right? You hear that all the time. This is a passing league. It's a passing league. Got to have a good quarterback. You got to have an edge rusher, all that. Well, I looked into it. This is not a passing league, not this year, anyhow. Check this out. Of the top five passers in the league, none of them made the playoffs. We're talking about Jameis Winston, and he was number one. Dak Prescott, number two. Jared Goff, number three. Phillip Rivers, number four. Matt Ryan, number five. Wow. Yeah. Now, check this out. Four of the top five rushing teams made it to the playoffs. The Ravens, 49ers, Titans, and Seahawks. Now, the Cowboys were fifth in rushing. The Vikings were sixth. Colts were seventh. Bills, eighth. Texans, ninth. Cardinals, tenth. So that's seven out of the ten made it to the playoffs. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe there's a turn in the league. Well, I said this, and I I, I swear I want to go back into the podcast from back into preseason. I said, whatever team figures out... Because everybody's building their defense to stop passing. So whatever team figures out to focus on running first or to run the ball, you know, to build a strong running team, they're going to make it far. And look at Baltimore and Tennessee. Those two teams are dominant running teams. And, you know, I think Baltimore is going to take it all. So only three of the top ten in passing teams made it to the playoffs. Two of them were knocked out immediately in the wild card round. That was the Saints and the Patriots. Chiefs have not played yet. They're in the top 10 passing. So we'll see. Right. So if they get bumped out, none of the top 10 teams for passing will be in the playoffs. I can't believe the Texans are ninth for rushing. I mean, they got Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, and and Deshaun Watson. Right. They they end up stacking up a bunch of yards rushing per game. This isn't like individual. This is like team. Right. I just don't see them having like a stud running back. Don't need one. I guess not. So it's probably more important now than ever for the Buccaneers to figure out the run game. I think so. And, you know, I think really the only thing we need to do to fix the run game is just get our offensive line to run block a little bit better. Which they were in the beginning of the season. It was weird. They kind of fell off. But if we could draft a stud like Derrick Henry with the 14th pick – you know, I said our offensive line, but it's really not them so much as it was the tight ends. Because we would, you know, we'd run those jumbo packages and stuff where we'd put two tight ends and block and all that good stuff. And they just weren't very good at blocking. And, you know, that would cause guys to be able to go down the line and, and make the tackle on the running back. I mean, the offensive line could improve their run blocking, of course, but. They were doing so well in the beginning of the season with run blocking. Was it when Al Claire got hurt, I wonder? Oh, no, we need to Because he's it more of our blocker. Yeah. Well, Cameron Bright's not a horrible blocker. O.J. Howard, that's a different story. Okay. You know, he's, he just like kind of gets in the way, and then they just toss him <laughs> to the side. Well, you know, if he goes up against a defensive lineman or linebackers, he, he really seems to have an issue. He could block a cornerback. Because of his size. Right, yeah, and, and he just seemed to rely on his size too much. Not really good technique. We had someone tweet at us, and I apologize, I can't remember who it was, asking whether you take an offensive tackle or a running back in the first round. No, I would always take a lineman. I I don't know. Yeah. I, it all depends. I think we're going to take the best available player. I think so, too. We don't have really any positions that are 
hurting. A dire need. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think we need a tackle to replace Dodson. I think so, too. I don't even know if we'll be here next year. Don't know. But Jason Light seems to favor these offensive linemen that come from small schools. Kappa, Marpet, that you get in later round. Yeah, I mean. So I don't know that that would be his strategy. Yeah, I, I don't. It just seems like offensive linemen coming out of college anymore. And I think, who was it? Was it Arians talked about that where they just. Uh, I think Joe Gilbert said it. They don't. You know, it just takes so long for them to get football ready. Right. In college, they don't teach them complicated blocking schemes or anything like that. It's basically like you line up here <laughs> and mm. stand in the way. So it takes a few years once they get to the NFL. And I like our running backs. I do like Rojo. I like Barber. And I can't see... I like Dari, too. Yeah, I like Dari. If Barber doesn't come back, like, I think he's on a one-year deal. He was on a one-year deal. He signed, like, a prove-it deal. Hmm. So if he doesn't come back and you can get somebody in the first round, that might not be a bad move there. Yeah. It could go either way. Yeah. I just think offensive tackle is... More of a need than running back, but BA says if you're drafting for need, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And they won't be drafting for need this year, right? So he's doing it right. <laughs> okay, let's get into the NFL news. We've had some moves on the coaching fronts. The Cowboys finally fire Jason Garrett, and end of an era. End of an era, and they hired Mike McCarthy. Oddly enough, they had interviewed Marvin Lewis and Mike McCarthy before they announced that they fired Jason Garrett. So <laughs> I think the writing was on the wall. Of course, Garrett's contract expires on January 14th anyway. He didn't really get fired. He just didn't get re-signed. Yeah, and they brought in Mike McCarthy. It's sad that uh, Mike McCarthy went to Dallas. I was really hoping he would go to Carolina. Me too. They said that Mike McCarthy stayed overnight at Jerry Jones' house. Getting a massage. Getting some massages. They didn't say that, but we just assume it. If you have not read the article in Sports Illustrated about what happened between... Uh, Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report? Okay. Yeah. About Aaron Rodgers and Mike, Mike McCarthy. McCarthy. This was at the end of last year or the beginning of this year? Somewhere get, in that time frame. Wait, the off-season last year, I yeah, think. Yeah, off-season 2019. Great article. Uh, it'll make you really hate... Aaron Rodgers more than you already do. And also Mike McCarthy kind of doesn't come off that great either. Yeah, and you'll know why we said we wanted Mike McCarthy to go to uh, the Carolina Panthers. However, he didn't. Guess who did? Matt Rule. I don't know if that's how you say his name. We're going to figure it out, I guess, eventually. Rahule. Rahule. (laughs) There's an H in there. I don't, you know, I don't know. The H is not silent. Rahule. (laughs) It's a seven-year, $62 million contract. He's got incentives. A $2.5 million signing bonus. And they're also paying a $6 million buyout of his current contract with Baylor. Yeah, they they really spent a lot of money to get this guy. I hope he sucks, but (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like they really want to. I don't know anything about Baylor. You know, we're just not college football people. I know he turned the program around there. At least that's what I read from the articles. He was a one in... 11 one year and then 11 one the next year or something. Okay, so in 2012, he served as assistant offensive line coach in New York under Tom Coughlin, stayed there a year. Then he went to Temple, which is where BA coached in the 80s. He 
initially went two and ten in twenty thirteen, then went ten and five in twenty ten and four in twenty fifteen, and ten and three in twenty sixteen. Hold on, how can you go two and ten one year and then ten and four the next year? I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. I don't understand college football. <laughs> Then, after the Baylor football program had a bunch of turnover because of some sexual assault issues. Of course. He was hired, and they went, as you said, 1-11 in 2017, and then 11-3 in 2019. I don't know about 2018. Doesn't say. In any case, he's been branded as this rebuilder. So they want to rebuild the Panthers? Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, I don't know how that bodes for why would Cam you want to, Why would you want to rebuild a contender? <laughs> <laughs> he is her- heralded as a culture changer. He is apparently into analytics, which we've seen that before. He believes in the RPO. Awesome. He's a former linebacker and believes in smash mouth football. His... Career head coaching record is 47 and 42. He's coached defensive lines, linebackers, quarterbacks, offensive lines, and all that good stuff before he became a head coach. So he's a defensive guy. I, he's done both. I mean, at New York, he was an assistant offensive line coach. Oh. Uh, so, but that's his only NFL experience is with New York under Tom Coughlin? I don't know. You know, I'll go into more detail about this in our Know Your Enemy series this offseason. Hmm. He doesn't call plays, but he does oversee the entire team's operations. And he can't be the biggest dummy in the world because he turned down an interview with Cleveland. So (laughs) we may be in trouble, Bucks fans. I don't know. But we've heard this kind of resume before with Greg Schiano. All we heard about was how he turned records around. Yeah, and being a working under Tom Coughlin, who was a hard-nosed, old-school the last of the old school coaches. Who just got run out of Jacksonville because yeah. of his hard-nosed nonsense. Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Maybe it'll be another Shiano for the Carolina Panthers. That'd be awesome. We'll find out. The Giants reached to deal with Patriots special team coordinator Joe Judge, which is an odd hiring to me. A special teams coordinator. I can, yeah, I can't coach? ever remember a special teams coordinator becoming a head coach. This is funny because their top two candidates were Mike McCarthy and Matt Rule. <laughs> so it looks like they got the bottom of the barrel. Wow. Why wouldn't you bring in Marvin Lewis? Because he sucks. Well. But then why would you bring in Mike McCarthy? Yeah. No, I, mean, I mean, if your top two choices, if one of your top choices is Mike McCarthy, to me, between the two, I'd take Marvin Lewis. I saw Jim Schwartz is looking to be interviewed by the Cleveland Browns. Oh, poor Jim. Come on. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, he survived Detroit, but I don't think he can survive Detroit and Cleveland. He ended up getting run out of Detroit. Exactly. And they're not much better off as an organization than Cleveland. I just can't see that going any better. Do you know what Matthew Stafford's contract is like? Is he coming up soon on I don't know. All right, so the Panthers signed uh, the new head coach of Baylor, Matt Rule. That got me intrigued because they paid him a lot of damn money. Seven years... $60 $60 million, that's a lot of money for a head coach. And then they paid Baylor $6 million as a buyout. That's a lot of money. I'm in the wrong damn profession. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I got to, I was like, everybody was like, uh, David Tepper, he's the owner for the Panthers, you know. He gets what he wants. He don't care. He'll spend, you know, apparently he spent 
Way too much money for the Panthers organization. Yeah, like two point two billion when his net worth is like twelve billion. And you know, he's doing this major league soccer thing. He's paid like three hundred million for that. All kinds of crazy stuff. The guy apparently throws money around like it's uh oxygen. So I looked into this guy. I was like, you know, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know anything about him. Matter of fact, I got him confused with Khan from Jacksonville. <laughs> with that with I know with that evil mustache. <laughs> I don't know why. But uh, the guy has made his billions as a hedge fund ma- hedge fund manager. So right there, I don't like him. I don't mind how people make their money, but uh, there's just something slimy about hedge fund managers. It's basically, anybody in the financial world. No offense to all you people out there in the financial world. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what it is. Here's what I saw. He got rich from the financial crash. Ah. You know, apparently he was okay before then, but he became like a super billionaire. Uh, in about 2009, 2010. What he did, uh, he, he's the founder and president of Appaloosa Management. It's a global hedge fund based in Miami Beach, Florida. It's based there now. I'll get to that later. Uh, but he earned $4 billion of personal wealth in 2009. Remember, the financial crisis happened in 2008 by buying distressed financial stocks, Bank of America being one. What's the stadium name? Bank of America. That's right. Bank of America Stadium. They're based out of Charlotte. So... Bank of America, he bought a lot of their stock. Not sure exactly how much, but he made he bought enough of it to become a billionaire. Same with AIG debt. Now, if you know AIG, totally collapsed during the 2008 thing. So he bought up their debt. So basically, government bailouts made this guy a billionaire. You know, because none of these, none of these, the Bank of America wouldn't last. So none of these banks would have lasted without a bailout, according to them. Who knows? You're getting political, Ralph. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this guy... Hey, he's a slime bucket. <laughs> it gets I don't like him. Yeah, I don't like him. Well, you know, he's the owner of the, the Panthers, so right there, he's a slime bucket. He has a net worth of $11.4 billion. That's a, as of February 2017, according to Forbes. Don't know if it's gone up or down since then. Who knows? He divorced his wife of 30 years in 2014 and is now married, we think, nobody knows, to a girl named Nicole Bronish. This girl, nobody knows anything about her. They don't know her age. They don't know her ethnicity. They know nothing about this girl. Now, he's 62. She looks like she's in her 20s, probably about 25. So he dumps his wife of 30 years after he becomes a billionaire, gets himself a young girl. He was actually caught on tape when they were going through the divorce because the uh, you know the, the prenup was not going to hold up, he didn't think. So he was caught on tape talking about what to do with his money to hide it from his wife. I mean, oh, he was no. saying, yeah, he was saying, uh, should I buy uh, a property overseas and all this, or should I just get a 22-year-old girl? Yeah, he said that. So, anyhow, his company, Appaloosa Management, was moved to Florida in 2016 from New Jersey. Right? He had been the New Jersey's richest taxpayer at the time. Now, the move caused uh, Frank Haynes III, New Jersey's legislative budget and finance officer to warn of a risk to the budget of New Jersey because of the resulting loss of income tax. Wow, that's a lot of income tax he's Yeah, paying. it was in the hundreds of millions he was paying. So he moved it to Florida because they don't have they don't have income tax in Florida. That's a smart move on his part. Yeah. But, you know, he wasn't he's not he wasn't a guy who uh, from what I can tell really worked his way up and earned his money. It's, you know, he worked at Goldman Sachs back in the 80s and the 90s. He worked there for like 10 years. They kept, <laughs> the guy's petty and vindictive. Let me tell you this story. They kept overpassing him for management positions. So anyhow, when he got his billions through the financial crash, 
he went and he bought his ex-boss's house in where they worked for at Goldman Sachs, the one that passed him over for promotions, bought his million-dollar house on the water in New Jersey, if there is water in New Jersey, <laughs> and raised it. Totally destroyed it. He bought it from the guy's ex-wife. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So he bought this million-dollar mansion or multi-million-dollar mansion and then destroyed it. Wow. And built a house on it twice the size just to be petty and vindictive. <laughs> well, you know, if you had billions of dollars, what would you do to oh. your enemies? <laughs> oh, yeah. If I had billions, man, people would be talking crap about me like this for the rest of my life, man. I would be... <laughs> Everybody would hate me. I've always said this. Nobody wants me to win the lottery. Nobody <laughs> wants me to become a billionaire because I tell you what, I've got a long list of enemies that are going to be hurt. I probably shouldn't say that. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> all of a sudden, on the record. Ralph becomes a billionaire and all his enemies all of a sudden start disappearing. Yeah. So anyhow, that's our competition. It's going to be interesting to see how this guy performs. He's only had the team for a couple of years. And he says all the right things. I know the fan base is behind him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he sucks up to the fan base. And I loved it in the the video. What was that? It was All or Nothing. All or, was that All or Nothing with yeah. the Panthers? Yeah, when he came over and was like trying to be chummy with all the teammates. And cool. Cam Newton got up and started acting a fool and was mocking him to his face. I was like, Jesus Christ. But apparently this guy's got a reputation as being a brass balls type of guy. He actually has a set of brass balls on his desk. That he rubs. Ew. I know. <laughs> what? I know. The brass balls. How would you like to be in his office? I know. He's, he's sitting the there rubbing balls on his desk. <laughs> well, his his employees got him got those brass balls for him. Apparently, he does it as a joke. I don't know. What I th- to me, it sounds like the guy is you know he's new money. Uh, he kind of fell into it. Now I'm not going to say you know he wasn't smart by buying up distressed stocks because that's probably what I would have done if I had billions of dollars too, or millions or a lot of money. Uh, especially when you know that the government's getting ready to bail all these places out. You know, why not buy their stock? He bought Bank of America stock when it was $3. So, I mean, he made billions off of just Bank of America alone buying their stock. So, anyhow, I don't see the guys being a, like a mastermind financial genius. Definitely He's don't see He's an opportunistic. Him. Yeah, which, yeah, you know, I don't have a problem with that either. But I, I'm talking about it in a football sense. I don't know, man. This, this might be a little bit too much for him to chew. We'll see. We shall see. And I don't know if he's like all up in the business of the coaches and stuff like Jerry Jones is. He kind of, kind of, kind of strikes me as that type of guy. Just reading up on him, you know. He can't kind of. He thinks he's he could do everything, you know. And he's definitely got that aggressive attitude. So, you know. And this isn't his first NFL team. I think he was a minority owner with the Steelers. Yeah, five percent minority owner. He actually had to sell the minority ownership to buy the Carolina Panthers, but he got the Carolina Panthers by overbidding a. North Carolina native who had strong ties in Charlottesville. Charlotte. Charlotte. And one of the reasons why he was able to outbid the guy was because of his uh, previous dealings with all the other team owners. They were kind of okay with him. The other guy had more of a struggle because he, they wasn't, didn't know him. he wasn't in the club. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I want to see the Panthers crash and burn. <laughs> well, it looks like this Matt Rule, he does have one year of the rebuild where – why he goes 1-11. Why would you go and hire a college coach who's not proven in the NFL and give him a seven-year contract for $60 million? I guess if you got money like that, it doesn't matter. But he's probably going to end up be paying this guy after he fires him. You know, He's going to have to pay him three or four years' worth of salary. The Buccaneer way. <laughs> yeah. Buccaneer, like we, like we did with Lovey, like we did with... I think Shiano. Shiano, like Gruden. we did with Gruden, like we did with... Raheem. Raheem. Dirk. 
Well, no, he got a job after. Yeah, we paid Lovey. I think we signed him to a five-year contract. Kept him, what, two, three years? Two. Two years, was it? God, ugh. that was two horrible years. Uh, so he goes to the Illinois, right? Chicago, coaches their team, runs it into the ground, basically. He's like, I was thinking, okay, he's just going to do that until his contract runs out with the Buccaneers and he's not getting that Buccaneer money anymore. But he's still there. Yeah, and I think he kind of turned it around this year. It only took him four years. <laughs> uh, anyhow. But yeah, it's very strange about that girl. Uh, Nicole Bronish. There's no, nobody knows anything about it. They don't even know if they're married. There's no information anywhere on this girl. Then nobody knows if she even speaks English. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that does, but there's nowhere in the internet world. That's so weird. The world that matters. Yeah. Well, I think that's a pretty strong indication she's not his wife. I don't know, man. I don't know. There's reports that they got married. But nobody knows for sure. How do you keep a lid on that? He must keep <laughs> he must keep her in the house, like, like <laughs> oh locked in a box or something. She just shops on Amazon all day. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know she's shopping. <laughs> she ain't married him for his uh, for his looks. So yeah, there's at least a thirty year difference between those two. I mean, she's just wrong. <laughs> she looks. She looks. I would say she's about twenty five. She might be older. She might be thirty. Not much older than that though. Pretty girl. She looks kind of Iranian or or Polynesian. Nah, not Polynesian. I don't know. Darker skin, dark hair. She might, she might have been Jewish. Huh? Israeli. Don't know. Well, I'm sure with his money, he's got the pick of them, so. Yeah. I can't wait for all the uh, Panther fans that are going to text me. Send me messages about this one. They love this guy, apparently. They're not going to love him when he moves the team. I guess. I don't know. You know, the team's relatively new, anyhow. So, I don't know how much of a fan base there is in Charlotte to begin with. I don't know. You know, in the offseason, they moved, what was it, the practice facility and the offices to South Carolina. Yes. And the rationale was that it's supposed to be Carolina, like South Carolina and North Carolina. So, they wanted to give South Carolina more of a piece of the team, I guess. But that's just dumb. Why it's just dumb. You-, you don't see the New England Patriots doing that. Yeah, I know. New England's like a whole bunch of... Yeah. whole bunch of states. Nope. They're just in Massachusetts. You sure their practice facility is not in, in Maine? Maybe. Almost, almost in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> in Maine. Uh, well, you know, whatever. It's Patriot or a Panthers fan, so I don't really care. Yeah. Leave the team, please. It's going to be interesting to see how Rahule does. Why would he Why would he pronounce his name Rule and then have an H in there? You've got to be different, don't you? All right, so no press conferences after the podcast here because there are no press conferences. That's all done, wrapped up. Got some videos going to be coming out. The first one, I think, the first one is going to be a, an analysis of all of Jameis Winston's interceptions this year, 2019. About 30 of them. I like it. That should be a good breakdown. So what are you going to do? Look at whose fault they were? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to break what it up happened? into categories so we can get a, you know, kind of more of a feel. Now, I'll, I'll tell you right now, most of them are Jameis Winston's fault. Uh, it's hard to... To see it on game film, but he leaves a lot of receivers open, and he throws to covered guys. If you watched my videos, you know I point that out quite a bit. So when I see that, that's going to be James Winston's fault. You know, so there's going to be quite a few of those. Uh, also, going to do a video on his sacks. Yeah, I'm really interested to see that one. Yeah, yeah. is it the offensive line? Is it the running back? Is uh, it him? I can tell you, the vast majority of them are going to be his fault because you know he just runs out of the pocket too much and runs right into sacks, or you know. Runs when he doesn't have to. Right, that's the big thing. Also, going to do a comparison. I'm not going. I'm trying not. I'm going to try not to spend too many videos on James Winston. But the one I wanted to do, and if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know I was going to do this at the beginning of the year, and I wish I would have done this. Well, the off season last year. The things that I think need to be fixed with James Winston, 
And one of them is his damn happy feet. And I'm going to compare him to good quarterbacks like Drew Brees. Uh, I almost threw up in my mouth when I said that. <laughs> Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, good quarterbacks that have good pocket presence and just show how. Because I, I see it with Deshaun Watson. He does the same thing. Yeah, and he, he carries the damn ball like uh-huh. a loaf of bread in his hand. Didn't Michael Vick used to do the same yep, thing? Yep. In his hand, away from his body, running with it. It's so easy for it to get knocked out that way. Yeah, so I'm going to do a comparison to that and just show the things that I, you know, the reading the field, the happy feet. You know, I wish he'd do more pump fakes, not these double clutches he does. That drives me crazy. Why would you pump fake to the guy you're going to throw to? <laughs> So, anyhow, be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll announce the videos when, on our podcast. But I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Next podcast should be out Friday. But until then, go Bucks.